0: Hi, everybody. Um, Prince William Mohamed. I am in the, I'm in the Mueller CG. Um, and I also have the privilege of serving on the prayer team. Uh, <laughs> and today I'm gonna to be reading from 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. says, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. Uh, Saints of Christ, how are we? Good, good. God is good. Hey, all the time. All right. Hey, uh, I hope you left last week feeling encouraged. Uh, Celebration Sunday I uh, mean were so many awesome things that the Lord was doing and uh, I want to say this everyone who sacrifices uh, on behalf of Christ and of the gospel and even our church I hope that you could see even in little ways uh, like last week whether indirectly or very directly like you baptized someone or maybe you knew someone who knew someone that actually did something like I hope that you see that what we do for Jesus it matters y'all like it matters. Uh, There are many people that are in this room that will be eternally grateful for your sacrifices that you make for Jesus when they stand before the King on that day. And so I hope that you feel the realities of that. And uh, man, thank you for being a part of that. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part. Um, we're in the beginning of a new series on Second Peter today. In uh, this letter, it is encouraging us to build or to construct our faith. That's the, the title of the series at large. How do we construct our faith rightly? Uh, as you know throughout this year we're going through our distinctives as a church and this distinctive that we're hitting on is the distinctive of being guided by the word. Uh, we don't just willy-nilly kind of do whatever we want as believers and as Christians, we believe. Uh, in God and we believe that in his gentle and yet sovereign will he left us a way by which we can know him and grow in him and that is the Word of God the Word of God it guides our lives and it and it leads us into faithfulness and into truth and as we submit to the scriptures then we find life that comes through the scriptures because the scriptures continually point to he who is life himself Jesus And as they point us to Jesus, then they point us to that which is life, and we find vibrancy in our lives as we align with the Word of God. Now, the next series, we're going to focus on the first half of the distinctive. It says that we are empowered by the Spirit, but guided by the Word. And I'm excited about that uh, series as well. But I think that a proper understanding of Scripture matters before we understand how we are to be guided by the Spirit of God in our lives. And candidly, I think our culture makes a ton of attacks on the tenets of our faith the scriptures being one of them and it calls for people to deconstruct things that are actually really beautiful so how do we rightly construct around things that are true that give life to our faith now some of us do need to deconstruct the trash that we've been fed because it's not nourishing But many times in the deconstruction, we don't don't then reconstruct or construct our lives in such a way where we have life. So we deconstruct till there's nothing left. And then we wonder why we have nothing in Christ. There are right ways to construct around the gospel. And so hopefully in this series, we will see how to do that. How do we grow our faith? How do we root our faith, particularly in light of the word? I mean, I don't find it surprising that even last week there were three baptisms where they mentioned they just read the Bible and then they came to faith in Christ. One brother mentioned how he was riding by a dumpster and found the Bible in the dumpster and started reading it and came to faith. Why? Because there's a life found in this book, y'all. It's more than just a book. It's not just something that we read like a dictionary gives us a little bit of evidence. No, it points us to that which is life. There is a life found in the scriptures family. And so my prayer throughout this series is that we'd grow in our faith and that we'd fall in love with the scriptures and that we would see the power that is here. And so as we begin today, though, before we dive into the importance of the scripture, Peter wants us to see the value of the gospel that he, that we hold dear, that which scripture continually points to, which is the person and work of Christ. So before we dive into the Bible and dissect the importance of it, Peter wants us to know why that matters in the first place. It's because of that, which the Bible points to Jesus. And so Peter begins this letter in this beautiful fashion. He says, Simeon, or Simon, and then he says a servant, and then he says Peter, or an apostle. Notice that before he begins with his, uh, a name that Christ gave him, Peter, he begins with his given name, this sense of humility and he begins with the humble position as a servant of Christ rather than the authoritative position as an apostle of Christ. This is great leadership for anyone in here who is or who wants to be a leader by the way. Also note that he talks about his relationship with God first that as a servant before he talks about his relationship with the world around him that with us that as an apostle. And so from the jump we actually see what is valued here. What is valued to Peter is Christ and his relationship with Jesus. And there's actually a great question for us right off the jump on the very first few words of the of the pages here in this text is are we seeking relationship with Christ above everything else or do we want to be apostles of Christ first? Some of us want the honor of our calling placed above the value of our relationship. We'd rather be known for what we do over whose we are. And there's problem with that. Peter makes sure that he has this in the right order. He is humble and has received relationship with God. This is what is primary in his life and it should be in ours too. But Peter is an apostle at the same time, someone who Christ specifically chose to relay the gospel message to us and to build the church around Peter's words, which makes the next sentence that he says that much more powerful, family. Who is he writing to? Well, he's writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, Peter says, Now, there's all sorts of theological truths and bombshells in this verse. Obtained is a gloated word. The fact that Peter calls Jesus God here very plainly in this text, and you can traverse into this verse further for more worship, but I'm looking at that sentence and I'm like, what? (laughs) Right, like, like, do you read what that's saying there? Like you, right, and and you and, and me, we, because of Christ before God have equal standing with one of the most important men to ever do work for the Lord. Like the one who Christ built his church off of you and me have equal standing with Christ that Peter, the apostle has with him as well. Come on now. This is good news. Is it not because Peter could have said, Hey, you little ones down there, right? And this would have still held true. We are lucky to even come into the graces of God, but the one who Christ built the church off of, we have equal faith with him. Because ultimately, to his first point, it's not what we do that matters, it's whose we are that matters. And if you're in Jesus, then you have a faith of equal standing with the great apostle like you are an apostle yourself. You have access to God like Peter did. You can be used by God like Peter was. You have equal standing in heaven, y'all, before God. I hope you feel what I'm saying there. This is a beautiful sentence. Peter then says, hey, I want you to know this grace and this peace a little bit more. And so I don't want just this to be added to you. He says, I want this grace and this peace to be multiplied to you. I want more grace and more peace and more faith to be added into your lives. How do we get more grace and peace? Well, he says, it's through the knowledge of Christ as we grow in knowledge of Christ and we grow more deeply in our faith. This phrase knowledge is used throughout the book, so it's really important that we understand what he's talking about from the jump. It doesn't just mean like intellectual assent knowledge, like to know in the way that we would normally say this. Peter isn't as concerned with this, though knowledge, uh, theological truth, it's very good, it's it's necessary, it's helpful for our faith as well, but there's a deeper, a more significant type of knowledge. This word here is the word epinosis in the Greek, which is the highest form of knowledge. It's an experiential sort of knowledge. And so this word doesn't just mean to know, it means to experience, like a deep knowledge. An intimacy could be a better word here than the word knowledge. It's actually my favorite New Testament word. So much so that we named our daughter, the Hebrew version of that word, Jada or Yada. And it's my favorite because it carries with it this idea of a personal experience that you can know Christ in an experiential, in a personal, in an intimate, in a deep way. And so you may know my wife, Natalie, but you don't know her the way that I know her. Like you don't know what her dreams or her fears are. You don't know what her favorite love languages are and how she receives love. You don't know what she wanted to be when she grew up. You don't know how to quickly resolve conflict together the way that we do or, or what her favorite forms of service are. These all come through a deeper type of knowledge, a physical and an emotional and a spiritual and an experiential sort of knowledge. This is what Peter wants us to have in Christ. Hear me family. This type of knowledge is possible. Like, it's possible for you to know Jesus more. More. More than you do right now, and more than what you can probably even imagine right now, you can grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. So he says grace and peace can be found when one knows about God or has experience, has intimacy with God, and this can only come through Christ. But as you cultivate this intimacy with Christ then you grow in this grace and in this shalom, and this forms the introduction of Peter's letter, why he's writing it to an extent. He's essentially saying, look, in this letter, I want you to know God and I want you to grow in God. Those are the two reasons why I'm writing this, that you may know him deeply, truly, intimately, and that you may grow in him, that you may have more of Jesus. And is this a longing in our hearts, family, to to have more of Christ, to grow in him more? That you would experience more grace and more peace, which comes as you root your faith more deeply in Christ our Savior. That Christianity isn't just this check in the box and then we go merrily, merrily until we're on to the kingdom. No, you can grow deep in Jesus today, family. And Peter wants you to grow in that. And so Peter's main emphasis for today is how we grow in Christ. And really he's hitting why should we grow in this gift of grace and then how do we grow in Christ to grow deeper in knowledge and this experience with him? How do we grow in Christ more and why should we grow in him more? First, the how. How do we grow in Jesus more? Well, Peter continues that you already have everything that you need to grow. You see it there in verse three? We already have everything that we need God is already, through his sovereign benevolence, just like salvation was given to us by God, so is the ability for us to know and to grow in Jesus. He's granted us everything that we need. Already, the text says. Notice you have obtained, verse two, and he has given us everything. Everything in this section is past tense. We have what we need. If you want to grow in Jesus, you have it, family. It already exists within you. Notice the word here, power, right? That's the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. There's this explosive power that is within you. However, dynamite is the sort of explosive power that you use once and then it kind of explodes and disintegrates things and then it stops. And that's not really what the Greek is talking about here. So this word is probably better translated like, like batteries or, or, or gas. He's given you the juice that you need to grow in the knowledge of him. If you feel like you cannot grow deeper with God, then you are wrong. You can. You can grow deeper in Christ. He's already given you the juice. You just gotta tap into it. This word power here is used throughout the scriptures. And I think about what he's saying here, this explosive type of thing that dwells inside of you, where you can experience peace, family of God, the, the put togetherness of your life can be found, the, the grace that you need to feel the love that you are looking for, you already have it within you, God has granted it, we just need to tap into that. There's the po- word power is used in other places in scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. In verse 20, it says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his dunamis towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. What is that saying? Look at the depth there. The power that has been given to believers to live out their calling faithfully is the same power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead and to sit him at the right hand of God. That's the power that you have inside of you, family. This is the Holy Spirit of God who dwells inside of us. You have what you need. The question is, are we accessing it or are we walking in it? Batteries, they're non-effective in the machine if they're not inserted properly. You have the juice. The question is, are you charging him to be able to use him rightly to know God in the way that your soul desires it? You can grow in Christ. I'm gonna come back to verse four in a minute, but Peter continues, because I've given you the juice, is what God is saying to us. Then verse five, for this very reason, he says, grow in it. For this very reason, because you have the power, then you should grow. Make every effort to know Jesus. This is unbelievably strong language, y'all, right? Like make every effort, do whatever it takes that you might know Christ more. Don't just accept the gospel, saints, build your faith. That's what Peter is imploring us. So often in the American church especially, we just sort of accept the gospel and then we miss all of the life that is found in Christ. Don't do that, family. There's more life to be had. There's more grace to be received. There's more peace to experience. This can be yours in Christ. But we miss it and we accept Jesus and then our lives are miserable because we're not growing in grace. We're just growing in financial wealth or social status. You have an ability and an opportunity to grow in that which is eternal. Why do you keep focusing all your efforts on that which is momentary? Peter says, try your hardest to supplement your faith. And so do we focus on growth in Christ primarily, or is this a secondary or tertiary or really a non-issue to us? How much do we desire more of Jesus? There is something more to be had of Christ. The scripture says, nothing else satisfies like Jesus, and no one deserves glory but Jesus, and nothing else in this world lasts. Everything else passes away except for our souls, and we should be building our faith, and we can, family. You can grow deeper in Christ. That word supplement there, is the greek word which means uh, a generous and costly participation it says supplement to your faith these qualities this actually painted an idea in the greek mind because of the word that was used in greek culture there was these rich and very generous donors they were called corgos uh, and what they would do is they would pay for this production of a festival almost every major town, so a town like Austin, and Allah, we're in South by Southwest right now, so let's pretend we're in Greek culture. What would happen is somebody would come and they would pay for the entire festival to be able to be run, and they would pay this producer to then go put on this play so that the town could experience the joys of festivity, so that they can have uh, enjoyment. It It was kind of a tax of the day to an extent. And so they supplemented the town's entertainment because of this Corgo's generous giving. And so Peter says in this, in light of God's generous and costly calling and that he has given you the gospel, then we are to do the same thing in the participation and the maturation of our calling. We are to give generously into growth in the gospel at our own expense. We become the core ghosts there is what Peter is saying. And when we do this, then the producer gets glory because we see how valuable the gospel is and it highlights the the work or the play of the producer. And so we generously and sacrificially build on our faith. That's that word supplement. Generously, we give a lot. And sacrificially, it costs a lot, but we're willing to do it. In other words, it's not always easy to grow in our faith, but it's always rewarding. Peter is suggesting that each of these attributes can be added generously and sacrificially, that we should grow in grace. We should be growing in grace. So you got work to do. So let's grow, y'all. Let's grow up in our faith. Now, the uber Reform person at this moment would be like, oh, wait a minute. This sounds a lot like a works-based gospel. It sounds like a lot of work on my end. It is. Sorry. Okay. The New Testament nowhere is ashamed of telling people that you do not work for the gospel, but once you are in the gospel, you sure as heck work to grow that in your life. Over and over and over again, this is the imploring of the scriptures. Notice even the contrast of Peter's theology here of God's sovereignty and yet man's responsibility. In verses 1 through 4, it looks like everything that is happening is all because of God and we had no play in the manner. It is His power, it says, it is His granting to us. In fact, that word obtained, that the we have obtained faith, is actually the word to cast lots. In other words, God chose you to have this faith. God picked you to receive the gift of grace. But then in verses 5-9, through it looks like it's all on us, like God's not even at play. He's given you power, now we add, now we receive the gospel, now we grow in the gospel. And then in verse 10, it looks like it's it's us and God, right? Where he has this election and yet we are to not fall away, yet he has chosen us, yet we are to add. And and there's this dance that's happening here. And look, I do not pretend to understand the mystery of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility what I do know is that people tend to err too far on one side often and so we err as if we're passive participants only like we have nothing to do and that's not true or we err and we take way too much responsibility for something that only God can do like resurrect a dead soul both happen in the context of the scripture the scripture is content with the difference Charles Spurgeon was one time asked, like, hey, how do you reconcile, like, election and free will and, and, and what's happening? And he says, reconcile? They're friends with one another. You don't have to reconcile friends. God has given you the power. Now you have work to do. And where that happens, what, what I, I don't know. I just know the scripture says we got work to do, y'all, that we can grow in our faith. So are you growing in it? If you're in Jesus, praise God, that's because of God. If you're growing in God, he's already given you the power, but you are the one growing, praise God, grow in Christ. Dallas Willard, who was a philosopher, a great, great Christian thinker and a great Christian practitioner, somebody who I wish we would read a little bit more of, he says this, he says, the path of spiritual growth and the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Effort is action, but earning is attitude. You have never seen people more active than those who have been set on fire by the grace of God. Paul, who perhaps understood grace better than any other mere human being, looked back at what happened to him and said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet it was not I, but the grace of God within me. So who is it? Is it Paul? Is it it don't matter, y'all. You can grow in grace. That's what you can have more of Jesus. That's what the scriptures are saying over and over. We do not earn salvation. This is a gift of God. Hallelujah. But you sure can grow in salvation, family. You can grow in it. Is growing deeper in your love for Jesus, experiencing him more, walking in his will, being used by God, making an impact in the kingdom, understanding the depth of his riches and mercy. Is this the most important thing in your life? It should be, y'all. Because there's nothing more important what you're doing and spinning your wheels is you're trying to look for life. Life is found in Jesus. That's where life is found. And what often happens is we end up drinking from the still pond of poison called earth, hoping that it will satisfy missing the flowing waters of Jesus, which produce everlasting life. Drink of Jesus, y'all. He is there for us. Now, how do we grow in these qualities? How do we add to our faith this, this idea of self-control or, or love or perseverance so that we might understand grace and so so we might drink of Jesus more? Well, y'all got to figure that out for yourself, okay? We'll actually talk about that only in CGs this week. So if you're in a CG, then great. If you're not, I would encourage you to find some friends and talk about this. The reason we don't have time for it today is that it actually looks different for all of us. It looks different of how we add to our faith, every person based on our gifts and where we're at and our walks with Christ, but we sure can grow. But notice then in verse 8, as we're seeking to add these things, it says that it is yours and they are increasing. And so this isn't just a check in the box. It's like, oh, I got some love, bet, I'm done. That's not what it is, right? You should make sure that yes, you have that and then that it is increasing, that you're, you're growing in love more and more. You can build upon this, continue to grow. This is not a one-stop shop. They're yours, it says. In other words, you have them if you're in Christ and they should be increasing. We have work to do. So are we growing in Jesus, beloved? Are we growing in Christ? Peter then gets sober. And he says, hey, not to grow, to not add to your faith, you begin to become ineffective, so nearsighted that you end up blind. And this is what happens for many. As they do not apply their Christianity, it begins to get stale. And then they find themselves barely grateful for the gift of salvation that they were once so on fire for. And they find themselves barely intimate with the God of the universe, barely caring about the things of this Christian life, let alone being used by God or or understanding the depths of God. And Peter lovingly says, I don't want this for you. There's a way to avoid this. And so there's this warning that you can become ineffective in the faith, y'all. You can become blind, like like you don't know Jesus again. And this happens for many. They fall into faith early in their life. And then they get bored with God as if God is at all boring. And then it ends up creating in them this lifelessness in the end. Please do not let that be your story, family. That was my number one prayer as I was prepping this today. And we said that a couple of weeks ago that we would not fall from grace. Fight to grow in grace. Peter says, I want you to grow. You can have more of Jesus. Are we fighting for it? So what do we do? Well, we confirm our calling and our election, or we make it sure. And if you do this, then you will never fall, it says. So while sober truth, there's also a beautiful promise that if you grow in grace, you're not going to fall from it. You're not gonna fall out of love with Jesus. You will continually grow deeper and deeper into the knowledge of God like verses two and three told us. So Peter says, be diligent. This is extremely important. In fact, in the Greek, diligent is in the emphatic position. So in English, it would be like underlined and italicized and bolded and and highlighted. In other words, do whatever you can. This is the most important thing. Double check and triple check and make sure you're growing in Christ, it's important. You think about it like uh, my daughter, she threw away my car keys, I believe, probably about a year ago now, okay. And I've been looking for them, like maybe I left them. Well, we moved all of our stuff out of our house. Them keys were nowhere to be found, all right? And so I've been having to use the spare key for about a year because your boy is cheap and them other keys are 300 bucks to get the little boop boop, all right? And so I've been using the spare key. And what happens often is like, because you gotta like kind of manually lock it, I'll get like halfway to the office and I'll be like, did I lock my door? And I'll go back, and I'll like recheck to make sure it's locked, and then I leave again. But because something was on my mind, half the time I'm like, wait, did I actually lock it again? Right? And I go back, and I make sure is what I do. If we make sure that something as small as our car door is locked, how much more should we be making sure our eternal destinies, y'all? our faith in Jesus, our eternality, our souls. There is nothing else that matters more than your relationship with Jesus family. Nothing, but we're more sure to check our car door than we are Christ at times. Peter says, be diligent, make sure that you're growing in this faith. There is nothing more important. What I picture it as is, man, we can have this intimacy with Jesus, but we gotta be walking in it. And what happens is, is we are in this world which is like a running stream. And the stream is continually running us away from God. And so we have to work is what Peter says and supplement and make sure and add on. And if ever we grow stagnant in the faith, then naturally the stream will swim us away from that which is life. You must be laboring to receive more of Jesus. If we're not swimming or applying, we will naturally drift backwards and we'll end up ineffective, cold, hostile to the gospel barely able to sing out because who cares that we got saved is what our souls will actually say. Why does all this matter? I mean, we're talking about heaven, y'all. Like, like eternity. Your soul is going to live forever or it's going to die forever You want life, but not just eternally, you can begin to experience it now. You're going to experience more and more death or more and more life, which do you want? Is what Peter is saying here. Now, listen, family, there's a balance to this, right? Because it's easy to turn this into like a works-based gospel and just try to do and try to earn more, but that's not even the call that Peter is talking about. The call that Peter is saying is realize how awesome Jesus is and want more of him. Like you're not trying to work so that you don't uh, receive some punishment. You're trying to get the reward chase after the reward family of God. There is something beautiful that you can behold. Run after that. Many people, they use this passage as a test of genuine faith. And it can indeed be used as such. But but Peter laces these truths with such beauty and such grace. He says, listen, this isn't just an are you saved passage. That's not Peter's main motivation. What he's highlighting is the overwhelming beauty of the gospel that we get to grow in, y'all. We get to grow in Jesus. God has called us, he says. We have everything that we need already. Can you hear the promises that are here, y'all? You have been called by God. If you're a Christian, you already have everything that you need because of God. If you are a Christian, he has invited you to walk in the truth of the gospel. If you are a Christian, he wants to use you to be effective for the kingdom is what this is. If you are a believer, He wants you to endure until the end. He wants you to change eternity. He wants to be with you. Look at verse four. You get to participate in his divine nature. What? What in the world are we talking about? This sounds pantheistic almost, does it not? We should be growing in grace because there is nothing better than God. Leave that text up there for me. We get to grow in Christ more and we should make every effort in light of what he has done for us to grow more in God. And this is all possible because of the sacrificial grace of our King Jesus. We get entrance into the kingdom because Christ entered into our world and died and took our place that you might be where he should have been, family of God. Such is the love that God has for you that you get divine nature, family, because Christ took on a nature like ours, he became human so that one day you might become like him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you feel the weight of that passage? Like, like that might, might sound almost uncomfortable to us in the scriptures, but the scriptures all throughout the New Testament, especially, they proclaim that. For example, 1 John chapter 3, verse two, it says, Beloved we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is god became like us that we might become like him while not literally becoming god no text says that he will bring us so close so one with him eternally family of god like I don't even have good words to say here. How do you describe this, right? You will have moral perfection like you are God. You will rule over kingdoms like you were God. You will live forever like you were God. You will not just be justified or sanctified, you will be glorified like you are Christ himself. He was punished that you might have a life everlasting. This is the gospel we get to grow in, family of Christ. We get Jesus, so one with him that you'll literally be on the throne, Revelation says, with God. You'll be transformed to participate in his divine nature. This is insane. Maybe even more insane is that he participated in our human nature that we might get his. And so Peter, before he tells us about the importance of scripture, or what to watch out for, or why we should be hoping for the return of Christ in accordance with the scripture, or or why we should endure in the gospel as he does throughout this entire letter. Before he gets all into the Bible, he says, remember the gospel of grace. And as you remember this gift of God, grow in the gospel, y'all. The well, Austin, is growing in Christ, your primary drive in life. If it's not, I'm telling you, you are missing life eternal. Other things may have traces of life. They cannot give life everlasting. That is found in Jesus. Make growing in the gospel your primary drive in life. And how do you do that? You remember the gift of the gospel in the first place that you were dead in your sin. Now you're alive. You remember what you would have become had it not been for Jesus. How he transformed your life. You remember the the spiritual gifts, the the anointing that you feel, the, the movement with God, the times that you're intimate with him, family of God. I cannot describe to you the experiences that I've had with Jesus as I have endured these almost two decades in the faith. But I have grown so deep in Christ that I am telling you, I would cut off all of my limbs and lay bare. If I could spend but five more minutes in some of the experiences that I've had in Christ, you can grow in Jesus. There's more of him to have y'all. There's more Christ to have. Let us, well family, forever be chasing that. In fact, if we're known for nothing else as a church, not planting hundreds of churches, not raising up awesome people, not our diversity, whatever, if we could be known for nothing else, let's be known for the fact that we freaking want more of Jesus. We want more of Christ. I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the gospel. Oh, ma'am, Christ, I just, ma'am, I pray for every man and woman in here. Would you help us to desire you above everything else? God, teach us how to grow up in our faith, how to supplement to our faith, knowledge and and virtue and and godliness and and endurance and brotherly love and and, and agape love. Would you teach us to grow so that, not so that we could be better looking Christians, so that we can do, so that we get more grace and peace. You said for that reason, for the reason of us growing more in Jesus, this is why we add, And so God, I pray that you would teach us how to add to our faith so that we might have more of you. God, I pray for those in this room who, maybe they're not Christians, maybe they don't know where they stand with you. God, I pray that they would see that there is nothing else in life, that what they've been searching for is found in you and in you alone. Friend, there is nothing more important than Jesus. He changes everything. And as you place your faith in Jesus, you say, man, I wanna follow you, Christ. I want to know you. I wanna have relationship with the God of the universe. This is made possible because of what Christ has done for us. When you believe you have the gift of faith, is what it says there in verse five. I pray that you would believe in Christ today. And God, for those of us who have believed in you, gosh, help us grow, Jesus. I thank you that you're not a sterile, passive, that you're not a whack God. God that you are a God that is endless, that we can grow in unbelievable depth with you. God, I pray that we would grow in you. Teach us to grow in you, God. Praise in your beautiful name, amen.